This is Broadcast, Talking TV, recorded at Maple Street Studios. Hello and welcome to the programme. I'm Peter White. This week we're ripping up the Talking TV rulebook. In a sad week for democracy across the pond and the rights of women and minorities, we've prepared our own escapist treat. We could have discussed Zy Bennett's rise to the top of Sky, the departure of factual boss Celia Taylor, or Charlotte Moore and Shoe Green's calls for fresh entertainment formats. But of course, you can read all about that in this week's magazine. Instead, we've got interviews with the teams behind two comedy specials. Ruth Phillips, joint managing director of Endemol Shine Group Zepatron, is here to talk through Frankie Boyle's American autopsy. We also have Danielle Ward, comedian and host of the hit podcast, Do The Right Thing, Ward, who also worked on Sue Perkins' Radio 4 show Dilemma, talks about turning her podcast into a TV series after filming a pilot for Channel 4. We also discuss why her show has more female guests than other panel shows. That's all coming up on Talking TV. We start with Ruth Phillips, fresh from delivering Frankie Boyle's American Autopsy. Before speaking to Ruth, here's Frankie in full pelt. Donald Trump said during the campaign, nobody has more respect for women than me. I can't even decode what that means. (laughs) The only way that makes sense is if respect is the trade name of the date rape drug that he uses. (laughs) Hillary Clinton was a very particular type of feminist. She didn't believe in female genital mutilation unless it was performed by an American drone. There's no point owing reality. (laughs) I object to that because I find it difficult enough to find the clitoris at the best of times (laughs) without having to paw through the rubble of Kandahar. (laughs) Ruth, thank you for coming. Can we take a step back a bit and tell us how these election autopsy first began? Because this isn't his first one, is it? No. So the first one was about the referendum and basically came out of... Shane Allen being a fantastic supporter of Frankie and Victoria J wanting to do something a bit different um, that was sort of appointment to view on iPlayer. And obviously that felt like a great subject for Frankie. Hence, uh, we did the first one about the Scottish referendum and then subsequently we did one about the election and then obviously this American one. And it's just Frankie's take on uh, on topical matters. But it's also, you know, the idea behind it was very much also to create an environment whereby Frankie could absolutely be Frankie and free will and be uh, his brilliant, outspoken self. But there was also room in it for him to be countered and with guests uh, and with an audience voting on whether they think he's right or wrong and sometimes they think he's wrong and he has to accept that and just that idea that Frankie can absolutely let rip and be himself but it isn't necessarily absolutely outrageous the whole the whole thing and these three have all been on uh, controversial political matters uh, well they have and yeah. uh, you mentioned that it might have been quite cathartic to make uh, shows in this environment massively so we felt so privileged on that day when you know we all discovered that Trump had got in and I think a lot of us were reeling from that to be able to go and focus on the catharsis of making a show and really that's what we hope it is for viewers that's sort of the intention I think to be able to sort of use a show like this to help navigate 
what your own feelings are um, whilst having a bit of a laugh as well. I think it, it's sort of the perfect combination. It's certainly what I need to deal with major events. Um, you know, I will look to Have I Got News For You or Charlie Brooker or whatever it is to try and find yeah. my way through it, really. What's the production process like? So you film it quite close to, after the election. What's the what's the timeline? Yeah, so we knew about the result on Wednesday morning and, obviously, and uh, we were filming at 4.30 on the Thursday. That doesn't give them a lot of time to... To plan, does doesn't it? give a lot of time, but we had pre-planned massively, and uh, with this, as with the referendum, it was really it's a very sort of binary result that you're working towards. So, um, in in a way, it's less complicated than doing a traditional topical show because you know most likely there's going to be one of two outcomes. So we had prepared within the structure of the show for either of those outcomes. You had prepared for a Hillary victory. We had prepared for a Hillary <laughs> victory, yes. And I have to admit, we were more expecting uh, to roll with that one. So then obviously on the day before the show and the morning of the show, there's a lot of writing and ensuring that we're um, up to date. But there's only one element of the show that is, you know, Frankie has gags down the lens that are obviously um, pre-scripted. But because the rest of the show is relatively freewheeling. Yeah. Um, You've got guests like Catherine Ryan and Sarah Pascoe. So it's a, yes. it's a conversation between absolutely. them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And then we bring on other guests to discuss. Frankie basically has three assertions that he makes through the show. And the guests, there, there are additional guests who come on to talk yeah. to him. Yeah. About like those. Richard Osman. And, um, Richard Osman came on to contend the idea that Hollywood should be burnt to the ground <laughs> because of the amount of propaganda. And we brought on the fabulous Michelle Wolfe from The Daily Show and also Desiree Birch, who was a wonderful addition to. Was Frankie secretly pleased that Trump won? Because that sort of gives you quite good material as a comedian. No, I don't think he was. <laughs> I mean, I think, look, there's always times when we go, oh, great, it's a great time for satire. Great, This is a great thing for comedy. But I think, um, I think he found this far too bleak yeah. to take that. That. <laughs> Better for a comedy show than if, if Hillary had been up against a, a Marco Rubio or a, a Jeb Bush for just comedy value, though, for I guess. For comedy value, certainly, certainly. And, you know, we were, I personally, and I think most of us, were hoping for a uh, yeah really dramatic um, campaign, which we certainly got. Uh, but, There's yeah. a suggestion that a Trump presidency <laughs> might actually be good for comedy in the sense that um, under George W. Bush, you know, The Daily Show is really, when mm. it really found its feet and, mm. and comedians kind of play off mm. off sort of the absurdities of, of, of things like that. Do you think that's true or we're too early to, to tell him Well, that, I think it's, it will definitely be a time when there's a fantastic place for comedy and for, you know, commentators, people who've really got something to say. And I think we all need that. You know, I think when uh, things go extreme, that that's what you want. So it was originally produced for iPlayer. It went up on, on Monday and it, yes. it, and it gets a, a, an airing on, on BBC Two on Sunday. Yes. Did you produce it any differently in, in that sense? I know, I, I gather it's 39 minutes long. It's yeah. sort of, it's, it doesn't have to necessarily fit the uh, traditional... Window. Well, to be honest, the, the the major thing was yes that normally on iPlayer on the other two shows we've had we've been able to pick our running time effectively, which is an extraordinary freedom. So that was the main thing is that we were fixed at at thirty nine minutes. But to be honest, we had sort of thought that we would end up 
producing it slightly differently. It's quite a different thing on BBC Two to on iPlayer because on iPlayer, once you're transmitting on TV, it's more of an invasive thing than transmitting on iPlayer. And on iPlayer, people have clicked on that. You go and find it. And you go and find it and it's been a wonderful home for Frankie. You know, there is a slightly different um, vibe, obviously, to being on BBC Two. Does it give and, you any more freedom? You, you meant, I mean, given that it will go on BBC Two, so it will have a linear airing, yeah. but you mentioned it sort of gives you a little bit more freedom. How do, how do you sort of balance those two, knowing that it will end up on, uh, on a linear channel? Well, certainly starting on iPlayer, sort of, and we were really encouraged to think differently about the show. I think the show has a bit of a tone that you don't necessarily see on TV that much. And we felt very liberated to sort of follow that path in a way that maybe we wouldn't have if it started on BBC Two. Do you think ultimately in the end we might end up having originals on iPlayer that just sit on iPlayer where you're making digital commissions? And you're, you're... Well, uh, absolutely. And the, and the first two of these shows that we made were precisely that. And I know there's been various other iPlayer original commissions. Our company, Zepatron, made a film about snooker that was an iPlayer, the Rack Pack, that yeah. was a, a, a um, iPlayer original commission. So we found it a really wonderful place to get a lot of sort of artistic freedom. How does the BBC view Frankie these days? You mentioned Shane's a, a big fan. He's just as exurbic as he's always been, but perhaps uh, less controversial. Well, yeah, I, I think there's something in that. I mean, I think he, he is controversial and I think... Personally, I think there should be a place. It's so important to have reasoned, controversial voices. But I think, you know, when you look at stuff he's written over the last couple of years in The Guardian, he's such a brilliant authored voice and a voice that I think chimes with a lot of people, but also a voice that you don't necessarily see a lot on television. Have you thought about doing that type of show outside of the election cycles or outside of, of the format well, that you've got? we've certainly thought about it and it's definitely something we'd love to do, you yeah. know, to do, a, to do a topical show with Frankie. It would it, be amazing. Is there a weekly version of this that you can make? Is there something, whether that's with Frankie or, or generally, I know you made the 10 o'clock live show, which has sort of seemed the closest thing that we've got to, to your sort of daily shows and, yeah. and those types of shows. But w- what do you think in the UK has, has meant that we haven't really had that environment before? It's a tricky one, that. (laughs) The uh, age-old Daily Show question. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at how a studio audience reacts to The Daily Show compared to how they they react to a comedy show here, it's very different. They don't really laugh. They whoop and they cheer... And I've been in the audience, it's bizarre. And they're drinking it all in, but they're not laughing. And I think there's an expectation here with comedy that you want to laugh. Yeah. And that if you're not making the audience laugh, you are failing. Personally, I think that's what would make it a very tough leap to do a daily satirical show here. Yeah. I think it would be so scrutinised in terms of the sort of comedic standard in a way that... You know, people forget that about The Daily Show as well. How many years that was on air before it was really deemed a big hit and it had so much chance to bed in. And in a way, it's sort of more approachable but journalistic than 
comedy in a way. I mean, it is comedy. I love it. And, and you know... It, Do we it, judge them slightly differently in the sense that every joke here would have to be funny or every joke would have to have to sort of land where, where shows like that, and it's not just The Daily Show, it, it's Colbert or it's the nightly things they yeah. do in the States. Some of it doesn't necessarily always land, but actually if you're doing it every night, it doesn't matter. Yeah, much. I think there is definitely that. I just think the expectation and, and, and the way people sort of consume it, even in the, even in the studio, it's so obvious, is very different yeah, yeah. but um i i definitely think weekly satirical shows here um you know are are a, a, a much more attainable yeah, thing as uh, many shows bear witness to you well know? we'd love to see frankie doing uh, doing his version on yeah. the on the back of this <laughs> we um, would love to do that and uh, and zepaton generally what uh, what else is going on at the company you sound like you're busy uh, nipping off to pinewood later nipping off to pinewood we're currently making um eight out of ten casters countdown we're also making a new version of eight out of ten cats for more four um, with a slightly different cast, you with imagine. a slightly different cast. I think that the channel wanted to be able to um, schedule both shows in the same weeks, and they wanted, um, I think it's fair to say, a show that really focused on a new generation of talent. Um, so we've sort of got the mothership now is Cats Countdown, and then we've got um, Cats, which is hopefully you know a great opportunity to bring through loads of new talent which is a, a joyful thing to have an opportunity to do you know absolutely and a supersized order for for countdown as well yes um, fantastic when do you start with that 18 shows we're we're mid record now what do you think of the general state of comedy in in the uk sound very busy there with different types of of comedy shows what's your what's your take well, on I the genre as a whole i think it's rosy but i i think i'm excited at the prospect of more voices like Frankie's. Mm. Because I think there certainly has been an era of sort of avoiding controversy. And someone with as much to say as Frankie, who is combining that with gag writing, there will always be a way for people to misinterpret his gags. And it's very easy for the Daily Mail to knock them. They'll be writing to Katie Price again, won't they? <laughs> and I, yeah. And I think, you know, um, I totally understand why there's been a sort of era of nervousness. But I think there definitely has. And I, I think, you know, that's why we felt so uh, buoyant about this opportunity with Frankie and the fact that it's on BBC Two and, you know, Frankie um, and, and various other voices. You just feel like we don't want our comedy to all become anodyne. Absolutely. And, you know... In these times, do you think in a in a post Brexit uh, and Trump uh, world, uh, the broadcasters, the commissioners, might actually take a few more risks? Yeah, I think so. Actually, it's rather extreme times, isn't it? It's sort of extraordinary stuff happening, and I hope that that will strangely liberate them to feel like, yeah, we need we need some comment on this, and we we need a way of dealing with all we need this to laugh. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Frankie Boyle's American Autopsy airs on iPlayer currently and is on BBC Two on Sunday. Next up is Danielle Ward, comedy performer, writer and creator of the Do The Right Thing podcast, which has just been piloted by Channel 4. Here, she tells us how it all got started. I was the in-house writer on Radio 4 for a year. And um, I used to go and see the news quiz being recorded and things like... Sorry, that's... Oh, I'm not going to... 
I brought my dog into the studio because um, my partner has got away for the weekend and so uh, that's him making that noise. We've got our first dog in the broadcast podcast. It's Buddy. If anybody's ever heard Film Fandango podcast, it's Buddy from that. <laughs> he breathes really loudly, I apologise. Um, and, and I've done the news quiz and I've done Mock the Week and I wanted to create a format that comedians really loved doing. Not that they don't necessarily love these other things, but... Sometimes when you turn up and you're expected to have like a list of jokes, that can be a, that puts a lot of pressure on you. And the, the whole point is we're all funny people, so we should be able to be funny by just having a chat. And I wanted to come up with a format that was that. And um, I pitched it to Radio 4, and they didn't make a decision for ages, so me and Ben took it away and thought we'll do it as a podcast. That's Ben Walker. Ben Walker, who's the producer. Um, meanwhile, Radio 4 picked up a different idea of mine, a, a distinctly different format that became Dilemma, hosted by Sue Perkins. Which around is, the same time? Around the same time. So that's, a, that's about moral dilemmas, that's about four series. It's, it's, very, it's an incredibly different format. And so we decided to do Do the Right Thing as a podcast, um, just for fun. That was it. We weren't, we weren't... Like, we've never charged for it. We've never made any money out of it. We just wanted... And we ended up getting loads of really big comics doing it because there's no prep. It's just chat. Given that you'd worked at Radio 4, but this is a podcast, was there much difference in, in terms of how you did it? Yes. Um, when you do things at Radio 4, you have to be aware of when that goes out, which is obviously 6.30 to an audience of... Should we... 58-year-old, I think, is the general... <laughs> so. Obviously, there's so much compliance. You were trying to skew younger, weren't you, with, yes. uh, with the podcast? Exactly. Well, it was just about when you do a live gig, you can sort of talk about whatever you want. We really wanted to capture that, but just put it into a slightly more recognisable format. Um, and the only thing we've ever edited for is libel. So, you know, conversations can go into weird places, surreal places, stupid places, dark places. Libel's the only thing we've ever cut out. And there's been loads of libel. <laughs> loads of libel. And... The idea, the basic premise is two teams sort of, the, the loose format is what is the right thing to do? Yeah. Um, some examples, recent ones, how to avoid wasps, how to date a diva, um, older ones, just random things like hitchhiking, third nipples and sharks yep. and general yeah. dilemmas or de general sort of things that you uh, have to choose between. Yeah, I mean, we our, our format very much is we pick one very high stakes thing. So, for example, how to survive an airplane crash and then we and we open that to everybody and then we have a very low stakes thing like how to turn down dinner with the queen and but and they're taken from genuine sources so we always have i mean a lot of the time we use the internet but um we we take from a genuine source and we present it as fact dan says i'm starting a new job any tips for what to do and what not to do in my first few days slash weeks don't get your dick out yeah <laughs> depends on the job yeah exactly Boy, do get your dick out, what, what please. Is, what is the joke? He's shaking his head. It's not a rent boy. It's not rent boy. No, what primary school teacher. Good advice. <laughs> what is it? Uh, it. Don't tuck your skirt into your knickers. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I had a really embarrassing thing where I tucked my skirt into my knickers, and somebody who I hadn't worked with but worked on the same floor as me sort of came up and was really embarrassed and said, "You've, you've got your skirt." And I was like, oh, oh thank you. Um, and then shortly after that, my department moved to the other side of town. And then four years later, we moved back. And I swear, on the day we moved back, I bumped into this woman in the lift. And she looked super embarrassed. And she oh. sort of smiled. And I, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, for God's sake, get over it. And then I got out of the lift and I tucked my skirt into my... <laughs> but there are some actual real things that you learn I mean the, the first place we go to isn't about education it's about being funny but you can learn some things and did you want to just bring in people were there certain people you wanted to get on to begin with or, or and how did that expand over time were they friends of yours or just people you knew within 
comedy? Everybody we've had on has been a friend of ours. <laughs> <laughs> it's on episode. No, because it's so chatty, and because we only like we only do six a year, and there's only two people on on each show. We've ended up, and obviously everybody in comedy knows everybody else anyway. So we've ended up mainly booking people we know. There's been a couple, like, we didn't really know Richard Osman when we booked him. But I think um, everybody else, either friends or people we've met off the circuit, there's, we've never had anybody on that we've... I think Jesse Thorne's the only person who did a show, did um, one with Sarah Millican, and he was over from the States. And you've got Michael and Margaret on regularly, and yes. then there's sort of a, a couple of more each each time. Yeah. Um, and we had some... Um, we found this on the internet, but, but okay. we're, we're hoping this is true. But there was a UK panel show, Gender Breakdown, and uh, and your show comes out as one of the the most diverse in terms of the male female balance. Which, given comedy show comedy panel shows are, have yeah. been notoriously male over the years, yeah. was it intentional that you wanted to to get more women on, or was it just a, a happy coincidence? It's in te- I'm quite militant about it. I think you'll find dilemmas also on there, which yep. is my other panel show. Absolutely. Oh yeah, be the change you want to see in the world, as. Gandhi said um <laughs> it was very much intentional because like I think if it's chat based rather than joke based you want everybody to come from a different place you don't want like having a chat having five white men in their 30s talking about a subject they're all going to bring the same sort of experience I think you get a much better cross-section of dialogue if you have different people and, and so um, that's that's partly what it is. So we try and get people who are younger, people who aren't white. I, we have booked two white men before, but I will try not to because I just want to hear... And also, all my favourite comics are women. Like, they really are. And I'm not saying, like, you know, if we were... If we were doing a, an episode of the podcast and uh, Bob Mortimer and Adam Buxton were free, of course I'm going to book them. They are incredible. But... If 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 it's not that, then why <laughs> if not? If they're not available, that if day. they're not available, why not book the funniest people I know? And they, um, a lot of them are women. And I think maybe it's because their comedy, in the way that this has always been this universal idea that the the white male experience is a universal experience. Maybe now as a woman, I start to think, you know what? I'd really like to chat to another woman about that. And then last week you filmed a, a, a pilot yes. for a sort of adaptation of the podcast yeah. uh, for Channel 4. Uh, you did it at the Hospital Club. Yes, we did. Tell us a, a little bit of background. How, how, before we go into the pilot, how did, did you want to make it a TV show? Was it someone approached you? What was the, what was the, the background to that? We did, when we invented the podcast, we very much w- weren't thinking about telly. We just wanted to do something that was really fun. And then because it's good, um, people started approaching us. We've had a few offers over the years none of which really worked for us. We had um, quite high-profile, in fact, an incredibly high-profile comedian try, uh, offered, not tried to, offered very politely to buy the format off me and Ben for a considerable amount of money, which we declined. Um, At a principle, or you wanted to do it yourself? We wanted to do it ourselves. It wasn't, like, it wasn't a life-changing amount of money. It's not like he offered like half a million. <laughs> then maybe we would have done. It was, you know, it was just some money. Um, and we declined, and the... We've had like a few chats over the years with people and it's just not been the right situation for us. And then this year, we well, last year, we got chatting to the production company Fizz who, who made it and um, sort of worked out. And was the idea to keep it very similar to, to how you make the podcast? That is very much our idea, which is why we, that's why some of the other conversations we had were more like, we really like the they format. They wanted to change it. It's not even about changing it. It's about, they, they just wanted to take the format and it's not just about the format. There's, you know, it's a really delicate balance. For example, as we all know, buying the format doesn't guarantee you get a great thing. <laughs> Thank you, Top Gear and Bake Off for making me feel better. 
And you filmed it largely as you uh, had done the podcast. Yes. I mean, obviously, it was much more telly because we had to stop and start for, you know, camera changes and that. But we wanted to keep to the, the heart of the podcast, which is generally a chat amongst funny people, which is also why um, we had six comedians on there rather than some comedians and... Um, a lady who's been on reality TV. And some famous people, some and, celebrities. Yeah, a celebrity chef. We didn't have any of that. Yeah, your guests, uh, Richard Iodi, Sarah Pascal, Bridget Christie and Joe Lysett. Mm-hmm. Uh, very funny people. Very funny people. You tweeted after the pilot, if I achieve nothing else in my career, my panel show pilot had five women on it. Fuck yeah. Yes. So going back to your original point, you managed to take that into telly as well. Yes. we were. They were. They um, Everybody was very good about asking me and Ben basically rather than just going hey this is a good podcast we'll buy it and then change it they um, me and Ben were very much consulted on what we think works about it and part of that is especially for me like you never see two female comics like working stand-up comedians gigging comics you never see two gigging female comics on telly together with very few exceptions um Frankie Boyle having Sarah Pascoe and Catherine Ryan on his show absolutely being one of the very few exceptions like most panel shows that have one woman on um, if they do have two women, they might have a female comedian and a TV presenter. Yeah, token female guest. Yes, and I think that's ludicrous. Like the, the Bridget Christie's what the second most critically acclaimed comic in the country behind Daniel Kitson, who obviously would never have done it. So I don't really. I find it baffling that, that I, I, I honestly find it baffling that people don't book more women. I'd rather, like. I just don't understand why you'd want to book four. Men in their 30s, they're all going to give you the same... They've all listened to the same bands. They're all going to have the same point of view. <laughs> yes, but but there's sort of... Danny Cohen said you know, a couple of years ago that he wanted the BBC shows to at least have one woman on it. And yeah. it felt that was the, the wrong way, perhaps, to, to do this. You need to sort of create from, from the start and, and create something that, yeah. that you're not just throwing someone in for the sake of it. Well, exactly. And if you only have... One woman. If you put out the thing saying one woman, then people feel that they're like, oh, well, that's that box ticked. When obviously it's not a token. They just there are so many. I'd, I I can't even really discuss it because I just it, I, it logically doesn't make any sense to me. No. Because there are so many very funny females out there. I don't quite get what the problem is. And how was the process? Did you enjoy making it? Was it uh, hard work? You're sort of in the process now of of waiting for the edit. Yes, uh, it was it was um, harder work than the podcast because generally how the podcast works is Ben sends me some things. I write the script in three hours on a Saturday night. Um, most of my jokes are references to either The Fly or The Thing or Predator. <laughs> They're my go-to 80s films. So normally it's really easy and obviously it had to... There's so much more, like just fine detail that I wasn't really expecting. But it was, I mean, it was a delight. In one sense, you had, to, you had to go past those 80s films, you mean? I had to go, I couldn't put any references to 80s films because what happens is I think that will be really funny when I deliver it to my audience and then I think, oh, Claudia Winkleman's got to say it to some telly people. It probably won't be as funny anymore. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm aware enough to know that you can't just say Brundle Fly and expect to laugh. And um, Claudia was the host of the pilot. So Claudia it's sort of like taking host. your job on the, on the podcast. She was, yeah. But I was... How do you feel about that? I was fine with, like, you know, pragmatically... This, it's a really big thing, um, like the Channel Four thing. So, um, but also she was they. So we knew very early on that I would be taking sort of the producer Ben role. So I still keep, I still do my scenarios like I normally do, but we knew the actual host, the TV face, would have to change. And um, we were asked to come up with a list of names, and the list of names was Claudia Winkleman. We're like we can't think of anybody <laughs> else. So it's not her. I don't know who it's going to be. 
and um, we were, I can't believe she did it really. And and was she good? Was she good as you? She was really good as me. She was much better than me at being me. <laughs> she was really because she's so lovely and charming. And part of the thing that I bring to the podcast is um, a real attitude of not caring. So does she bring that, or did she? No, she d- she different. did her own thing. She did her lovely. I want to listen to what you've got to say, rather than. As a recent episode, I'm pretty. I told Sarah, Sarah Pascoe and John Robbins were talking about a soup that they'd made in there, and it was in their fridge. And I was like, I couldn't, I could barely contain my contempt for this conversation. Claudia Winkleman, but how many soups did they? How many meals were they going to get out of the soup? I don't even. I I had to shut it down. Come on, guys. And now you're waiting. You're waiting for an answer, basically. You're waiting to see something. Yes. So I get sent the edit. I don't want to be in on the edit. I was offered the chance to go in on the edit. And what will happen is I'll sit there and I'll laugh at things. And I go, that's really funny because it's really weird. And they'll go, no, that can't go out on telly. So I thought, do you know what? Just send it me once you've done it. What do you make of the, the panel show, you know, the sort of genre on TV as it is? I think there are some brilliant panel shows. And there are some panel shows that don't really work for me personally. And the ones that I love are the ones with some real chemistry. And I think a big reference point for us when we were having conversations about how to cast it was would I lie to you which I do think is brilliant and partly that's because there's a really fantastic relationship between David Mitchell, Lee Mack and Rob Brydon and we were saying you know that people like that relationship growing and and the same with um, 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown there's the same sort of thing there's those lovely relationships that the audience tune in to see and so we wanted to take those elements, and again, that's part of the reason why we were very keen to keep me, Michael and Margaret involved, even if we did get Claudia. And we also wanted Claudia to feel like she was part of that as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, she she's not just there to to be the face of telly. I, I, I was really keen for her to feel like she was bringing her own thing to it and making... And also feeling part of the gang. Yeah, absolutely. I, like, and, and she totally was. She was so brilliant and lovely and like I couldn't have asked for a better person to pretend to be me. No, she was so good. Um, and it's because I, I think that's really important for me. For panel, I mean, I know like there's loads of panel shows that don't have that and they're really successful. But for me personally, as a viewer, that's what I like. And it's one of the first podcasts, or in the UK at least, to be turned into a TV series. Uh, that surprises me, given that you know everyone spent last year talking about serial and, and the podcast phenomenon yeah. has been going on for, for quite a few years. It, why do you think we haven't mined that, that area before? Partly, I think, you know, podcasts are an audio format. And I think there's sometimes that sticking point of, oh, but if it's audio, why don't you take... I mean, loads of people try to take Do the Right Thing and offer it to radio. Like, we had so many offers of that, and we were like, well, there's that no seems po- an anathema to that. Yeah, it's, it, well, there's absolutely no point. We already make it as an audio format, so you putting it on Radio 2, all you're going to do is censor what is already existing rather than making it something else. Those libel jokes won't, uh, no, won't go down well. They won't go down well. I mean, we'd have had to have cut... So we, I mean, we have an explicit rating, <laughs> but only because it's a live gig. You know, when I when we do the show in front of the audience, I know that Ben's, Ben's going to edit it to become a podcast, but for me, I'm doing a live show in front of a live audience who've paid to see something. Yeah. And then what's next, other than uh, crossing your fingers for, for Channel 4? Are you working on other things? Currently, very excitingly, a very good friend of mine who I've written two projects for is wowing the States. So she's taken my two... We've got the same American manager, and she's sort of in all these meetings, and so... 
There's a slight chance that a script I've written is going to be given to Jason Statham next week. That's exciting. Um, oh, I've, come on, you have to tell us more about that. No, you, you've written a Jason more. Statham action Yeah, movie. yeah. Me, me and my friend Dan Tetzel have written a vehicle for Jason Statham. And we pitched it in the UK and everybody was like, um, no, that's really high budget. And then my friend went out to the States and she was like, hey, my friend's written this thing that I'm in. And wow. everybody's interested. So there's that. So I probably... So you and the Stath working together next year? Yes, that might be a thing. Um, and also I'm working on a sitcom for BBC Three. Good. Well, it sounds like you're going to be busy. We'll, we'll have to get busy. you on to, to talk about your, uh, your Stath movie next year. Yes. Danielle, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. That was Danielle Ward. Thanks to her and thanks to Ruth Phillips. That's all we've got time for on this week's Talking TV. Don't forget, you can catch up with all of our TV news on broadcastnow.co.uk as well as picking up our print magazine. I've been Peter White and the producer was Matt Hill from Rethink Audio. We'll see you on the other side. You've been listening to Broadcast. Talking TV. Recorded at Maple Street Studios.